This episode of The Happiness Question is brought to you by Jay Schiffman. Jay Schiffman is a public speaker, coach, and host of the Choose Your Struggle podcast. He interviews people with lived experiences on the topics of mental health, substance misuse, and recovery, and drug use and policy to help end stigma and normalize difficult conversations through empathy and vulnerability. Each year, over 125,000 Americans die from overdose and suicide combined. I'm not even talking about the other causes of death related to substance misuse and mental health. Just those two. Those are our friends, our neighbors, our family members. They go to our churches, eat next to us at our favorite restaurants. They talk to us through our favorite podcasts. And these deaths are completely preventable. There are massive system changes that need to happen. But until we can have an honest conversation about these topics, these lives will continue to be lost. That's why Jay produces the Choose Your Struggle podcast. That's why he tells his story. As a guy in long-term recovery who survived two suicide attempts and an overdose, he recognizes his privilege. He's been given a second chance in a country and a world where most people don't even get their first. For him not to use it for something truly meaningful would be a waste of his second chance. That's why he gives up every day to work to end the stigma and ensure that those who need help get the help they deserve, because we're in this together. Check out his podcast, Choose Your Struggle, by listening wherever you find podcasts. Hello and welcome to The Happiness Question. Today we talk with Sarah Safari, ultra hiker and survivor of the Nepali earthquake. She tells her struggles climbing Everest during that earthquake, how she's been able to overcome her fears, and how you can too. Happiness is free, happiness is real. You can live a happy life, trust me, it is real Happiness like medicine, trust me, it can heal So hello friend, listen up, as I tell you this You can be happier, happier You can be happier, happier You can know happiness Sadness comes, but there is something greater. The choice is yours. You can choose to rise or stay down. So make a choice to be happy every day. No matter what may come or go, you can be happier. Happier. You can be happier.
Well, Sarah, it's great to have you on the show. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Do you have any questions before we get started? Tell me more about yourself and why did you start this podcast? Let's see. I started this podcast out of a bit of a depression because mm-hmm. I was trying to find out for myself how to be a happier person. And through a school project and this show, I've been able to help myself and others be happier. Mm-hmm. I still happen to learn every single time I have an interview. What is the secret to happiness now? Let's see. Well, what have we talked about so far? Your topic is going to be completely new, but we've talked about relationships. Those are very important. We've talked about money, music, like just kind of ways to be happier. All right. I'll, I'll give you my own definition. Good. Let's hear it. For me, the definition of happiness is living at your full potential. Ooh, I like that. So doing the things that you really want to do, and then you're happy. And then there is a deeper level to it. After you do everything that you want to do, then you realize after doing all of that, there's only two things that really make you happy. The rest is just a surface happiness. But the deep happiness, there are only two ways of being actually happy. One, making a difference in the world. Two, having deep relationships. Ooh, I like that. Tell us a little bit more about yourself. I was born in Iran and I moved to the United States when I was 20. And I studied electrical engineering at UCLA. And I was working in a bunch of companies. And then later on, I decided that I want to start teaching. And the main part of the story is that out of nowhere, I decided to climb Mount Everest seven years ago. And then a couple of years, a a few months after I decided to climb Mount Everest, I decided to quit. And then when I decided to quit, I met the founder of the organization Empower Nepali Girls. And I decided to climb Mount Everest again for the second time. I mean, just I didn't do it for the first time, but I just decided to quit right at the beginning. But the second time I decided to do it this time to raise funds and awareness for the girls who become victims of human trafficking or forced to get married at a very young age. And then I actually climbed Mount Everest. And when I was climbing it, there was a 7.8 earthquake in Nepal. I survived the earthquake and the avalanches and aftershocks and everything about that earthquake and came back home, published a book, started my own business. And here I am right now, seven years after. (laughs) Wow, that would have been a scary earthquake. It was a scary, yeah. Where were you when that hit? I was at 20,000 feet on an ice wall, about to finish the wall on the edge of the wall almost when the earthquake hit us. And this is like Mount Everest above Kumbu Icefall. This is the most dangerous part of Everest, the most unstable part of Everest. 
Great. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so did you end up making it to the top? No, I died. You're talking to my soul right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, we didn't make it to the top because everybody, people decided to quit climbing. You know, there are Sherpas, which are Nepali mountain climbers who are really good at this. And they set up their route, their rope, all the way to the top of the mountain. And because of the earthquake, 10,000 people died. So they have to call it quits and they had to leave to, to go take care of their families, their homes, their belongings. You know, it was just such a crazy earthquake. And then when they left, nobody else without them climbs Everest or any mountain in that area. So they left, so everybody else had to leave. Yeah. So no, I didn't make it to the top of Everest. I still haven't made it to the top of Everest, even though I've tried it a bunch of times after that, I still haven't made it to the top of Everest. Ah, it's got to be so frustrating. No, it's actually such an amazing learning experience. You know, it's, I think the beauty of it is trying because along the way, I'm meeting interesting people like yourself. I'm talking to people who are trying to change their lives. I'm meeting some of the strongest, inspiring, powerful, amazing people. And I hear their stories of triumph and hardship and resilience. So it is not about getting to the top of Everest anymore. I'm trying because in life you are supposed to be trying, but I'm okay to never ever make it to the top of Everest. I like that. So tell me more about your seven summits project. So after I came back down from the earthquake and came back to the United States, I was actually very traumatized and I was so scared of everything. I just, everything that shook, I thought this is an earthquake. And finally, after a while, I decided to, you know, start writing all my memories, everything that happened to me, all my feelings, all my fears, all my failures. And I wrote and wrote and wrote and wrote and wrote and became a book. And I published my book. And when I published my book with all those personal stories, I just thought, oh my God, I... I felt more healed. I felt more renewed, rejuvenated. I felt like I can start again. I'm ready to start again. But I had to write that, write that out. I had, to go, I had to go through that healing process. And finally, I was ready to go back. And I didn't want to teach the, the scholarship girls in the organization that I was raising funds and awareness for at Empower Nepali Girls. I didn't want to teach them to quit when something goes wrong in your life. I want to teach them to go back and try again. So I announced again that I'm going to go back and climb Everest again uh, and do more fundraising. And, and I thought, okay, why just Everest? I'm going to add six more mountains and six more organizations so I'm going to be climbing the seven highest peaks on seven continents for seven organizations who are empowering women. Why just one mountain? Why just one organization? Why just one country? So I expanded the project from one to seven. And right now I've climbed six out of seven. 
guess which one is left? <laughs> Everest. So I have to go back and do that. <laughs> so besides the Everest one, which one out of the six you've done is the hardest? So last year, right now, I was on top of Denali, which is the highest peak in North America. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the most challenging mountains that I've ever climbed. It's very technical. It takes a lot of, you know, you, you really need to know what you are up against in terms of knowing tools and techniques of overcoming all the challenges on the mountain. You have to have good enough experience. You have to be extremely strong physically and mentally. You know, like I was carrying 120 pounds. I am myself 120 pounds. So carrying my own weight on my back and on the sled, it was extremely challenging. And, and, you know, it's like 20,000 feet. It's not short. So lack of oxygen and all that. So, mm-hmm. And it's a pretty, pretty cold mountain. It's the closest mountain to the North Pole, which means it makes it the coldest mountain on the planet. And it's very windy, especially the summit day. So I would say that's one of the most challenging mountains that I've climbed. Yeah. So, and then, you know, it takes like 20 days. So imagine 20 days of no shower, no restroom, dehydrated food, sleeping on ice and snow, you know, like all that comes with the package. It sounds awful, honestly. It sounds awful until you think about it in a different way. You know, like some people ask me, okay, you just said that. Why do you even do such a thing? Because when you're experiencing so much adversity and hardship and, you know, it's just everything is so challenging, you have to live on the edge. You have to live your 100% or you're done. And just being in the moment, being very present, using all my techniques and potential and uh, intelligence and, you know, physical intelligence, like everything that I know at that moment, I have to use all the power to be able to continue on. So when you experience living at your 100%, living at your 50%, it's not fun anymore. So when I'm up there, I'm living at my 100%, I'm living on the edge and I have to perform so well to be able to survive. As human beings, we want to be comfortable. Who wants challenges? Who wants hardship, right? So when you actually decide to live at your 100%, you put yourself out of your comfort zone, you experience something that you cannot go back to the normal life, comfortable life, because you know what's possible. You know your potential. And that's when your life goes to the next level. And a lot of people are scared of experiencing a next level because it's scary. Yes, of course it is scary, but that's why only a few people get to go there. Um, what's your book about? So as I told you, after the earthquake, I just wanted to share my book with the rest of the world. I wanted to share my story with the rest of the world. So if you have people who are listening to us right now and they are thinking about writing their book, their memoir. I think it's a very powerful experience. Just being able to share your story with the rest of the world, it brings so much 
acceptance. You will accept yourself in a different level. So I really recommend people who are thinking about it to do it, to write your book, however it is. Even if it is for yourself, write it. You have to, you, you have, it's, it's very, it was very beneficial and healing for me. You know, I started from stories of my childhood growing up in Iran, experiencing discrimination. You know, I grew up seeing women around me being deprived of their rights, never achieving their full potential. And it was just like starting from there. I wrote my, some of my memories of my childhood, which was extremely hard to write those. Like I'm sure for those people who are listening to me and they have memories that it's only, only maybe a handful of people know about them or maybe just themselves. It's really hard to share those memories with the rest of the world and publishing your book. So that was very powerful for me. It, I felt so liberated and free after sharing secrets with the rest of the world, you know, you feel like that's it. I, there's nothing else to hide. The whole world knows everything about me at this moment. I'm done. Um, I can be however I want to be. I can do whatever I want to do. And I think this is very powerful. And we owe it to ourselves to give ourselves this freedom and liberty. You know, because until then, we're all hiding. We're all pretending. We're all wearing masks and we are not our real self. And it is, it's such a way of wasting energy if we are not really ourselves and we're pretend, pretending to be somebody else. So I wanted to write my story. I wanted to write that book to liberate myself from myself, from all the, all the masks that I'm wearing, all the things that I'm pretending that I am and I'm not. And, and that was awesome. I shared the stories of my climbing, all the mountains that I climbed, all the, everything that I experienced, all the challenges, how I overcome them, moving to the United States to a new language, new culture, everything brand new missing home, missing, you know, everything about growing up in Iran and all that. So it's like a story of my life, but it has so many aspects from women's empowerment to mountain climbing to adventure and just touristy stuff, like visiting all these countries, meeting these Nepali young women, sharing their stories of hardship and adversity and how they overcome uh, it's a very inspiring and motivational book. You can finish it in two hours. It's pretty short. It has lots of pictures of all over the world. And it's uh, all the profit goes to empower Nepali girls to, for fundraising for the girls so they can continue their education. So I really recommend my own book. <laughs> <laughs> I spent so much time and energy on it. And it is straight from my heart. So I really recommend it. Maybe you can use it to get inspired to write your own book. Anyway, so that's that. And then after that, I translated my book into Farsi. So now it is published in Iran. And then I wrote two more books. Again, they are all available on Amazon. The name of my book that I want all of you to check it out here is Above the Mountain's Shadow.
Above the Mountain's Shadow. Check it out on Amazon and let me know when you read it. Let me know. Email me. Let me know what you think about it. Tell me about your Everest. Like what is something that is you are being challenged with? What 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 is the Everest that you are climbing? So probably for your audience who are searching for happiness, happiness would be one of their Everests. So my recommendation would be for your for people who are searching for happiness is that make your Everest more specific. Happiness is a big goal. It's a nice goal. But until you haven't made it specific, it is hard to reach. What is, what is your happiness? If your, is your happiness a bigger house, a better car, more education, promotion at work, more money, more kids, more friends, more traveling, more adventure, six pack, full, full health, like getting over this sickness that you're dealing with, wellness, whatever, whatever your Everest is, you need to really specify it, be very clear about it. And when you're very clear, then you can reach out and find it. So why did you leave Iran and when did you leave? I was 20 and I didn't have a say in it. My parents, they planned it from many, many, many years ago because they wanted a better life for us. They wanted me and my siblings to be successful, to reach our dreams to do the things that we really want to do rather than we're forced to do. They just wanted more opportunities for us. So they planned it. They kind of brought us. I had no idea what's going on. I didn't even know, you know, I, it, it's funny. I didn't know there are 50 states here and this is such a big country. I just, whatever my parents said, get on the plane. I got on the plane. I was here. So I saw somewhere like on your website or something that you have a webinar. Yes. So I have a webinar. It's an eight-week webinar called Climb Your Everest. And this is the same name as my website. So I am inviting whoever listening to this to, if they are interested to participate, to send me an email. My email is on my website and my website is climbyoureverest.org to if you like to get more information it's a leadership workshop for people who are searching for their everest they are searching for their passion they want to know what is their calling what is the thing that they want to do in their life it brings clarity for those of you who already know what is your everest what are you climbing it brings more uh, clarity in terms of you specify it you make it more tangible and then I'll help you in that eight weeks to climb your Everest and summit your Everest to reach your goals, or at least have a very specific great plan about how to reach your goals. What, to figure out what is the stopping you, what are the roadblocks, uh, what are the things in your blind spot that you are not seeing and they are stopping you? What are the things that you are not even aware of? You even think about those and and they are stopping you. What are those fears? What are those past failures that are stopping you? And then we're also going to talk about the tools and techniques that you're using from your past and you're still using them, but you're looking for a different new results. So we're going to relook 
reinvestigate, reevaluate your past tools and create new tools for you and look at the new tools and techniques that you can use in times of turbulence, like the situation that we're dealing with in the world right now and how to improve your life and take your life to the next level. So you keep climbing your Everest, keep achieving your goals and reach happiness, fulfillment and satisfaction. So if people have more questions and they need more details, uh, please send me an email. My name is S-A-R-A, my name, at empowernepaligirls.org. If your listeners are more younger ages, I think they would be more interested to find me on Instagram too. My name, dot, my last name, dot Everest. But there are no age, right? I am wondering though, when the webinar is. So I guess people could, if they're interested, they contact me and then I'll tell them they can sign up for the next one. Good. What other podcasts have you been on? 30. Whoa. Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. But then there were things that I told you that I haven't said in any other podcast. That's good. Yeah, so in each, in most of the podcasts, they everybody's interested in the story of Everest, you know, because it's, it's an interesting story. So most of the people want me to tell them that story. So that part is common. And, and I'm sure I say it differently every time, like, because depending on the person who's interviewing me, they ask questions that the other person didn't ask. So they get a different answer. Exactly. Yeah. So all the time it's different, but the same because I'm the same person with the same story. You're really big on empowerment and standing up for yourself. What does that have to do with happiness? When you stand up for yourself, when you're living your full potential, that's when you're happy. When you're always striving and looking for challenges to challenge yourself and push yourself out of your comfort zone, that's when you're happy. That's when you're standing for yourself. You're really, truly yourself and you're living like a real person, not a fake version of yourself. And that's exactly what we talked about before. And when you're standing for yourself, that's when you're fully happy. What's your TED Talk? Yes. So my TED Talk... I, again, I was the most shyest person on the whole planet. If you met me 10 years ago, I, you couldn't even believe this. I couldn't even make an eye contact with anyone. I was extremely shy. I would look up and look down to avoid any kind of eye contact. It was just very low self-confidence and a very introverted. I mean, nothing is wrong with being introverted, but when you combine it with zero self-confidence, that's awful. And, and then, so it was really hard for me to communicate and make friends. And I mean, I had friends, but again, they were like me, very introverted. So, you know, it's easy for introverted people to hang out with introverted people. Anyways, so I really wanted to train myself to be able to share my story with the rest of the world because not everybody wants to sit down for two hours and read my book 
And I thought, okay, how can I make it easier for people to hear my story without sitting for two hours and reading my book? How can I bring more funds and awareness for these nonprofit organizations that I'm climbing for? Like, how can I help them more? And I thought, if I do a TEDx talk, that way, it's only a few minutes. People have to watch the video. It has pictures and stuff. I'm pretty <laughs> animated. Like when I talk, I move a lot. And, you know, I have a lot of expression on my face and my body and gestures. So I thought I had to train myself. I had to practice for years and years and years to finally to be able to deliver that TEDx talk. So when you watch it, you'll see how there's so much practice and rehearsal before delivering that talk. And imagine I was so shy. I grew up thinking, learning to be invisible, to be passive. And now I had to break all those boundaries and I had to just become a butterfly from a caterpillar. So it was just so much growth and development in just delivering a TEDx talk. Again, if there are people who are listening and they're thinking about speaking and gaining self-confidence, practicing public speaking skills, practicing communication skills, gain some communication leadership skills, I really recommend you guys to join Toastmasters and keep practicing, practicing, practicing until you're better. Because it's very important. If you want to be a leader, if you want to make a change in the world, if you want to make a difference in the world, you have to be a good speaker most of the time, not all the time, most of the time, because then people want to hear your ideas. So you need to be able to get on a stage, some sort of a stage, a small, big, whatever, and share what you really believe in. So practice, 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 do whatever it takes to be a better speaker because you want to be a better leader and you can live your full potential. That's the way of standing for yourself and that's the way of being happier. I love that. Well, Sarah, I'll probably let you go so you can enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you. You too. Thank you so much for having me. I can't wait to hear the final product. Have a great day. Thank you for having me. I can't wait to see the final product. Yes, it's been great talking to you. Same here. Stay happy, okay? Okay. Promise. Okay, I promise. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right. Bye-bye. Good to meet you, Camden. Bye. Bye. You can find more of Sarah Safari by going to her website, climbyoureverest.org or empowernepalagirls.org. Thank you for listening to The Happiness Question. We hope you have a wonderful day. Don't forget to review our show on Apple Podcasts stitcher and other platforms so that we can find more people you can visit us at our website thehappinessquestion.com to find more of us and to listen to more episodes of the show we hope you have a wonderful day bye